Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters. We're going to be talking today about something that we all have to figure out, and that is our programming. Man, things have really changed because of this COVID uh, crisis that we've been living through. We've gone from a time when we suddenly had to figure out how to do ministry without meeting together. We've lived through several weeks of that, and now we're coming to the time when we need to start thinking about what it looks like to come back together. Part of that is our regular weekly um, gatherings that we do. We may need to continue to do some in-person uh, or do some virtual uh, Bible study times and, and ways to connect with kids and families and also figure out how we can begin meeting again. And so as we think about that, we also have special events that we program and things that we've always done. And this is a really good time for us to assess if just because we can doesn't mean we should. Should we continue to program the way that we have? Should we change things up? And so we're going to be talking today about uh, being purposeful with our programming. I'm joined today by a, a really cool friend, Billy Young. Billy, your title is awesome. You're, you're the lead catalyst of Next Gen Ministries in the Florida Baptist Convention. Lead Catalyst, did you make up that title? You know, that's funny. I think the, the longer the titles are, sometimes it, it gives things a lot more ambiguity to what we're doing. But no, I didn't come up with that title. It was something that when we went through our reorganization about five years ago, um, you know, they evaluated the word strategist or, or all this stuff and catalyst kind of stuck. Um, so um, I, I use that a lot just in kind of generalities to let people know I really don't know what I'm doing all the time. I'm just a catalyst. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, tell me about that word. What is it? What yeah. do you like about that word catalyst? I, I don't I, a catalyst of change, a catalyst of, of programming. I don't know, just whatever. But uh, it's fun. And um I like to tell, I'm just a youth and kid guy, you know, that's what I tell people. But um, so, um, but man, it's good to be here, Chuck. Thanks for uh, taking the time to include me in the conversation about kid ministry programming. Man, absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. It, during the times that we've had a chance to be together in the same place, I've really enjoyed those moments together with you. And, and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to having a conversation about this. But first... But first, so we do this thing on the on the podcast where uh, where we like to know a little bit about little you. And so here's my question. Last night, literally this happened. If you go to my Facebook, you can look and you'll see this. Last night, I was in Walmart getting a couple of necessities. It's pretty picked over, but there was a lot of toilet paper. I'm just saying it's back. As we were going through... I saw this bicycle that they're selling. And it is this old, like, 1970-style bicycle that I swear I had when I was five years old. And it's got, like, the sissy bar in the back and the big curvy, you know, like, ape-hanger handlebars. It's like it's the Stingray, the Schwinn Stingray. And so I took a picture of this bike and I posted it. I'm like, dude, that bike is like my childhood. So here's my question. When you were a kid, did you have a bike that was like the bomb? Did you have a bike yeah. that you just loved? Tell us about that bike. Yeah, so my brother and I, who he's two years younger than me, we got into um, a lot of mischief. But one of the things we we got into was kind of a passion. We and it was a you know seasonal like all kids, but we got into uh, uh, trick bikes and then trick yeah. scooters. So I had one of the um, kind of a BMX looking bike that had the pegs on the front and the back and the front wheel. You could spin it around the front wheel. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So 
Um, I, I, there's a there's an old movie from the 80s called Rad. And so that's kind of the, the time period I was growing up in as a kid. So I remember that bike. It was a black bike that had the, the, the pegs and the, pegs in the front, front and the back. Yep. Yeah, and the back. And, and you could spin around the front handlebars, stand on it. I was not great, but man, if you just thought you could do one little thing, it was really cool. So I could, I, I could stand on the back and, and the front while we were, while I was riding down the road, we ended up, you know, funny story about that. We built a ramp because we were going to, you know, jump and oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I had to make a hospital visit, get some stitches all up in my chin. But uh, that's what you do when you're a, a, a kid, you know, you, you do dumb stuff. And so that was it. But yeah, I, I, I actually saw your photo last night. And um, so, yeah, but uh, I had a, a trick bike, I guess. So sweet. So yeah. BMX, but not like your like dirt, uh, dirt track jumps and stuff. We got doing the flat stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. we, well, we, we thought we were awesome, but if somebody, if social media existed <laughs> back then, it was probably terrible. So, but it was fun. Super cool. I've watched my boys over the last, you know, 15 weeks or so that we've been at home uh, with the, you know, riding out this whole virus deal. They've gotten into riding bikes. Um, to, we've always been so busy that we're running yes. to sports or running to something else. And so they've rediscovered their bikes. And so, um, my youngest son, Tate, has a, he's got a BMX bike, and he's just, you know, he's figuring things out now, like setting up jumps and doing wheelies, and he's already skidded one back tire completely down and blew the tube on it. So I'm like, all right, oh, last man. night I was buying him a new tube for his back, back tire, but yeah. we've all been there, all done that. How fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing That's that, fun. dude. That's awesome. No, man. Yeah. <laughs> a new appreciation for where you came from. There you go. Love okay. it. Right, well, let's talk about programming. So you, you, you were one of our uh, featured breakout leaders at the Etch Conference last October. And one of these things you talked about is you talked about programming. And so I'd like to give you the opportunity to talk us through some of that. You know, as we're, as we're coming back together, we got to figure out what to do and how to prioritize what we do. And, uh, you know, I think just to assume that what we've always done is what we should do again is probably not the right assumption. Is that right? No, I, I think you're 100% right. Um, <clears throat> you know, we don't know exactly. We, we can have all kind of predictions and thought processes of what's going to happen. But we really don't know. We all we are planning for what I think we hope happens and that's we we have some sense of normalcy. Um, but I think even our normalcy is going to be defined a little differently for a while. I know just for us in Florida, uh, just yesterday, you know, we've kind of seen some, you know, regression of, you know, you know, face coverings and those things are mandatory now in some of our cities. So what is it? How does that impact the church? Well, that's just one little piece. We don't know the whole scope of what that's going to impact as far as coming back together when schools start coming back into play and people's involvement back in, in local churches. So, um, you know, I was reminded of, of this old phrase, um, but I was talking to uh, Shane Pruitt with the North American Mission Board this week. And, you know, he, he I totally want to give him credit for this. But he said, now is the time if we ever evaluated it, it possibly killing certain cows in the church. And uh, so maybe it's time to look through that and evaluate that. Um, but I think all of us are the whole world is in this position where we're reevaluating everything that we're doing. And yeah. even in kid ministry, we need to do the same thing. Yeah, and I've I've seen some of the memes that are like, you know, we're all looking to get back to normal, but the question is, should we go back to the way things were? Yeah. 
And a lot of us are saying, no, really, that's, and I, I like the way you said that. It's an opportunity to, uh, I guess you talked about killing some sacred cows, but it's an opportunity for us to, to reevaluate and, and maybe get out of, uh, I don't know, some of the trappings of uh, tradition that we've been stuck yeah. in. So, but, Dr. Willie, go ahead. Dr. Willie Rice from Calvary Baptist in Clearwater said this in a prayer call we had early on in COVID, about two or three weeks in. He said, you know, we need to pray that we don't go back to normal, that yeah. we go back to a new way where we keep re- we reach people with the gospel in the current context we're in. And then there's a lot of truth in that. Well, so you say, Billy, that we, we need to have a purpose and a process or a plan for our yeah. programs. I, I like alliteration. I, I may have added a P in there, but you, you do teach that we need to have essentially a purpose and a plan and a process in place That's right. for our yes. programs. And so where, where do we begin? How do we start to even assess whether we should go back to something or whether we should scrap it? Well, I think... Um, you know, as far as like evaluating what we're doing, I think in the current context, it, it is extenuated or it's really it's really highlighted the way a lot of staff members were in churches. And I'm hey, just as guilty of this as, as anybody to where sometimes we really aren't sure where we're going. You know, um, I've heard the phrase, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I just start a sentence. I don't even know where it's going. Um, I, I just hope I find it along the way. I think that's a lot of what our kids and student ministries might have been doing for, for a while. We just kind of start something and we're not sure the, the scorecard. So I think at, at this point in time, we really have to be um, really intentional about finding out what the purpose is for what we're doing. You know, how, how often have... Uh, have I talked to someone over the past three or four months to where they, they've realized they've gotten away from the purpose of what the ministry was, you know, with all the different things that were going on. But now the purpose is, you know, building relationships, connecting, making sure the gospel is clearly communicated uh, to families. So uh, I think, you know, uh, Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, says, makes this statement. He says that people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I think for all of us in ministry, that's super relevant and it's right at home with what we're dealing with. Why do we do what we do is to help people grow in their walk, is to help reach families and reach kids with the gospel. So, you know, in this time, as we're coming back and, and we hope to have some sense of normalcy, we hope that we can keep going and in and, and kid, kid ministry, but we have to really evaluate that purpose. And, and that purpose should always be evangelize, evangelism and discipleship. And uh, reaching new students, reaching new families, and make sure we help them grow in their walk. Hmm. And so every time we gather uh, in any way is an opportunity to do those things. And so as we look at coming together, we don't want to miss those opportunities. Yes. No, we, we don't. And, and, you know, the opportunities for evangelism and discipleship look differently right now. You know, um, we, we've not been meeting in person I think we've all gotten accustomed to Zoom and Google Meets or whatever it is. I think I've been on uh, more uh, video conferences or, or platforms over the past few months, but hopefully we can start meeting in person again. What people, how people come back and the stages and phases they come back in is going to make us be more intentional because it used to be we had a limited time with them. I think that time is maybe even more limited. And so we have to, you know, get straight to the point, so to speak, and, and make sure that we know what our purpose is and that's to help them grow. Yeah. And so then everything has to connect back to that purpose. So we, first of all, we have to start with beginning with the end in mind, right? Is the old way that's of saying right. that. Yes, yeah, we, we know exactly. where we're going. That's right. We start with the end in mind. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, talk, let's talk a bit about the types of programs that we might choose uh, to look at then, knowing that we have limited time and we need to make the most of that time. What are the kind of things that, that you think are, are working uh, in, in this current climate? And what are some of the things maybe that, that we need to consider moving away from? Yeah, so I, 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 in my ministry, I always looked at programming in two big buckets. Um, one was uh, ongoing programming and, and one was event programming. Um, and, and that's pretty easy to define. Um, you know, ongoing was what we did every week, right? We, you know, I served the church. We called what we called it Sunday school. We called it and another one. We called it life group. So, you know, small group discipleship, that's ongoing programming. Um, maybe if you're in kids ministry, what, you know, if you're using a, a midweek event, uh, you know, say it's team kid or, or whatever you're using, that, that's an ongoing programming. And then you have event programming. And, and we know uh, event programming is in, you know, usually it's big events, it's vacation Bible school, camps, you know, some retreat type facilities or, or whatever. Um, so how do we how do we look at those two things right now? Um, and in most of our settings, um, event programming kind of has taken a back seat, which I would argue is not a bad thing. Because I think ongoing discipleship is where uh, that ongoing program is where discipleship really takes place. So as we we start launching and, and we're in Florida starting to think about the fall again in the spring, that ongoing programming, you know, that consistent d- weekly discipleship um, is really starting to become, man, that's our priority again, which is a good thing. Because a lot of times in kids ministry, it's easy to get the VBS sampler packs and, and and to think about the events and the center kid box from, from, you know, that comes in with the shirts and the, the, the cool big sunglasses and all, and those are the fun things, but the ongoing discipleship is where it is. So, uh, so I think we have to really now in the programming side is start really focusing on what that ongoing program is going to look like. Hopefully we get away from virtual conferences. Now we still may have to offer that, you know, and have that as a back uh, fallback plan, but we have to start really thinking about that ongoing programming in our local churches so that we can facilitate discipleship with our kids. So the first building block you'd say is once we know what we're trying to accomplish we start by laying that foundation of our recurring weekly programming, which is generally, as you talk about that, you're talking about, you mentioned Wednesday night, but our what's happening on Sunday uh, with whatever number of services that you have, what's happening Wednesday. And that's the core and the foundation for everything. Absolutely. I think every church, I mean, you know, just, in, and hopefully we stop talking about coming back from COVID, but the reality is right now we're talking about it. So in the church, the conversation I'm having with church leaders is their, their conversation is how do we come back to that consistent ministry? Very few of them. Now, if you, if they can, they may do some VBS. If they can, they may do something, but all of them are starting to are asking, how do we come back to worship? And how can we come back to small group, which is a good thing. So I think in kids ministry, that brings a couple things. And there's a couple of layers to this. Obviously, we're trying to reach students, but there's two pieces that we, we have to keep that we have to keep at the forefront. Kids ministry needs you have to have leaders to carry it out. So this is a time with those ongoing ministries to walk through the previous leadership you had. Who's coming back? Some people, it, it may not, they may be in certain, you know, uh, compromising age demographics or compromising groups that may not need to be around a lot of people. So that may need 
to it may lend us in kids ministry to recruit new leaders. So we not only we may have some new people that can serve, which is always a good thing, but we have to invest in them, train them. Think about it. They haven't probably they probably haven't been leading kid ministry small groups in several months. So we've got to retrain them, train, equip them. The second thing within that ongoing ministry, and and it's so hard. Sometimes I get this. I know the life of a kid ministry, whether you're a full time person or you're a volunteer or maybe you're a part time person. We've got to figure out how to engage and include parents in the process. That's ongoing. I love the uh, the emphasis in a lot of our churches over the past three months. It, you know, parents, there's no, there haven't been travel ball, there hasn't been gymnastics, there haven't been cheerleading, there hasn't been music lessons to get to. The parents have become the primary discipler again. I mean, that, that's kind of biblical, right? So, so how do we include parents as we come back to church in ongoing small groups? We still need to make sure that as, as leaders in the church that we're doing everything we can, encouraging, training, and equipping parents to be that primary discipler. So when I start thinking about ongoing ministries, it's not just coming back for Sunday school or you know, team kid or, or whatever midweek event we may do, but it's that ongoing ministry that can take place in the home. 168 hours in a week, the best kid ministry kid we probably see is three or four hours. Parents have a lot, a lot more time with them. So how do we do that? So those are just some things about ongoing ministry that I think um, are something that can keep rising to the forefront of what we do in kids ministry. And certainly I would say, man, you, you nailed it with, with parents. We, I think there's a new awareness. It's always been there, right? It's always Deuteronomy 6. It's all about parents should be the primary disciples of their own kids. As ministry leaders, though, I, I mean, I think we all fall into the American Western mindset of the outsourcing mentality. If I want my kid to get better at, at sports, I hire a personal trainer. If I want him to learn the piano, I hire, a, uh, you know, uh, somebody who can teach that a tutor. Uh, or if you get better at math, I hire that out if I can't do it myself. And so a lot of parents are used to drop the kids off, you do what you do, and then give them back to us better. And this is a time when we have uh, maybe rediscovered the importance of equipping parents or, or whoever the primary caregiver is in a child's life. We can't afford to leave that and, and go back to how it used to be. No, and, and that's one thing is... is um you know, there's always, you got to look for silver linings, I guess. And, and we all want this stay home orders to go away. And, and we would love for the virus to be eradicated, but viruses never leave. So we'll figure that out. But, um, but man, if there's one thing that we've seen in this is, is parents have been teachers and educators and is parents are, are spent a lot of time with their children. And, and we need to make sure they understand their role in this, to, as, especially in the discipleship role is to disciple their kids. So I think the ongoing thing is there. We also have event programming, which is not bad. Event yeah, programming hopefully that. will, yeah, event programming hopefully will come back um, because we love. I mean, that I think that there are certain, you know, you know, peaks and mountaintop experiences we can have, and whether it's vacation Bible school or camps or retreats, or maybe it's just a one night event or one day event um, that we can do to help create excitement. We're saying again, yeah, we've lost a lot of that this summer. You know, because yeah. a lot of those things that you listed off are, are what we traditionally would be like, this is our big summer blowout. We're going to do camp, yeah. we'll do VBS, we'll do maybe day camp, you know, whatever it is, movie nights all summer long, hanging out. 
And we've lost the ability to do that. And so I think there could be a sense that those events are just gone. Yeah, uh, I hope they're not. Um, and, and I pray that they're not. I hope they'll come back at some point when we can get to that place um, because they they provide excitement. And a lot of times those events attract the new people the and give us clear opportunities to share the gospel for the first time with people. And, and you know, to borrow a real churchy word, assimilate new people into our ministries. I think a couple of principles of, of events is, is, is we need to make sure that all of our events uh, lead to ongoing ministry involvement. You know, I mean, hopefully they come to VBS and w- the, the big scorecard for, for us when I was serving on church staff was it, it, VBS was great, but the scorecard was how many families went from VBS for ongoing ministries, because that's where the discipleship takes place. But I think right now we're going to have to move forward with realistic expectation of events, you know, um, and, and walk through what does that look like as we start, you know, you know, I remember when I first got into student ministry and kids ministry, man, we had so many people that would go off to camp. Yeah. Well, as things have changed, the camp numbers weren't what they used to be. So we had to make sure our expectations were right. I, I don't know what this COVID stuff's going to do affecting events again, but we, we still can use those to help facilitate, create excitement for the ministry and push people into those ongoing uh, ministry events. Let me clarify something I said. I don't want to be misheard, listeners. When I say, you know, uh, camp and VBS are gone, I mean this summer. Some yeah. of us may feel like we've missed that opportunity this year. I don't expect that they're gone forever. I, I no. think they will be back. They may be bigger than ever when we do regroup because we're so hungry for that. But, Billy, in this current year, um, we may have had to do a virtual VBS. We may have you know, done some things creatively, yeah. that, uh, but that a lot of camps have been canceled. And so I think we kind of grieve that we've lost those this year. That's right. How do we replace that in the time that's ahead? Are there other well, opportunities that we may need to think about? Yeah, so I think traditional VBS and, and camps have went away. I, I had a story just sent to me last night from a church. They called me, and then they sent me an email, kind of a summary. And um, they did different VBS differently to where it was very small groups. Mm-hmm. It wore the church staff out. But get this, they had more kids show up over a hundred more kids than they had the year before in BBS. So I I think something, as you said, you're right. Things are going to be different, but man, families and kids, they're so excited to come back. And, and so I, I think you're right. We could have bigger, bigger numbers than ever before next summer. Um, I think we're going to have to be creative. Um, You know, what does that look like? I know some of our churches are thinking through extending the concrete and cranes themes into the fall. And that's what they're going to do to launch their uh, their fall midweek event. Use the the five days, like at, you know, different Wednesdays, to really take what they have with, with some great, exciting stuff, but bridge that into their fall planning. Um, and, and then hopefully, as as we get going, it, we can get to the point where where those events can come back again. You know, as budgets are starting to come back and and, and people are comfortable being around. But I think we're just going to have to start thinking creatively based on the context you're in. Like for example, in Florida, just a couple of things. Most of us were looking and seeing the reaction of what happens, like with Disney and the Universal opening. Mm-hmm. Then, as we go a little further in our state. Um, the Tri-County area, Palm Beach, Broward, and Dade, they're evaluating. They're not even to phase two yet in certain things. And I know we're recording this in the middle of June. And so 
um, you know, you, I think creativity based on your context is going to be uh, kind of where it lands and how you can bring things back. And that may look different all over the country. Different places are, are farther along and others are uh, maybe may even experience setbacks as we go. I think, you know, the notion that you've shared that really as we look at events and, and what events do we do, it comes back to the why. It, it all comes back right. to that. Is, so it, we need to keep in mind the purpose of the event is not just to have a fun outing for people to go to. Um, we That's miss right. the excitement and the fun and the joy of VBS and camp because they're mountaintops, they're highlights. But the underlying purpose is really what we need to store is that, yeah, is yeah. that point of connection that onboards kids to your regular recurring programming. Our, my, the pastor I served for um, in the Tampa area used to always ask us when we did something, no matter what it was, whether it was worship service, whether it was camp or VBS or, you know, dodgeball night, whatever. He, he would always ask, how is this helping them grow in their walk with Jesus? Yeah. And, and I think that our plans, our processes all take lead from that thought of what is our purpose? And that's to, to come back to that that scorecard, the end game, the end goal, like you said um, earlier in our conversation, is how do how does all that come back into helping people grow in their walk with Christ? Fantastic. Billy Young, lead catalyst of Next Gen Ministries from the Florida Baptist Convention. Man, thank you for talking you, today. Great to have you. And man, I look forward to having some more conversations that we can share like this. Thanks for having me. In the future, listeners, we started off uh, by by mentioning that that, uh, the session we just talked about was a breakout that Billy had led at our Etch conference last October. Speaking of looking different, our Etch conference is going to look a little different this year. We are going to be doing a virtual event. That means more of you can attend it. You don't have to travel to Nashville. You don't have to stay in a hotel. That Etch conference uh, registration is open. You can find information at etchconference.com. It will be all digital, all virtual, and all over the country. We're looking to to increase our reach. Our theme this year for Etch is reach. We want to reach better, reach farther, reach deeper, and reach together. And so check out etchconference.com for information about that conference, and we hope that you can attend virtually with us. Thank you, Billy, for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'll see you back again next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.